0: Good afternoon it is so nice to see you all here it is such a privilege to be part of GYC isn't it I had to fly all over from England to United States and it was a very long and turbulent journey and as we fly we experienced that was at least for the first time in my life some very very shocking turbulent winds and as I was sitting next to my husband I I started, I'm not a panicky person. You, you, you will learn about more about me in a minute, but uh, I'm not a panicky person at all. But as I was sitting thinking about the height, the altitude at which we were flying, and uh, feeling the shaking of the aeroplane, I started being very, very claustrophobic. And uh, the panic was taking over me. And I said, Lord, I don't know how this flight's going to end up, but if you want me to speak to people at GYC, you have to get me there safely. And also I said, Lord, if you want me to talk about the miracles that you've performed in my life, I need a miracle today. And uh, Lord is so good, Jesus is so gracious. And the turbulent winds just stopped suddenly and we could fly safely, and I I, I was calm and happy. So thank you, Jesus, for that experience. Now, it was a March morning in 1995. I was preparing for a Youth Congress, much smaller than than this one here. I was just a newly baptized Seventh-day Adventist person. And uh, I got up very early. It was maybe seven o'clock in the morning. I already went through my Sabbath school lesson. I sung few hymns very quietly in my bedroom. And uh, just thinking about the times to be on time for the train and meeting with some friends. We were traveling together to another little town in Croatia. That day I was supposed to give a testimony, a testimony about how God worked in my life how God converted a Muslim youth that was struggling with atheism, mysticism, new age and occultism. Sounds terrible, does it? But that was my story. And as I was getting ready, suddenly I heard a little tap at the door and my father peeped in. As he walked in the room, he noticed that I had my Bible, my lesson book, my hymn book open at the table. I was ready to leave, but he didn't like what he saw. He challenged me. He grabbed my hymn book and tore it into pieces. He insisted that this was the time and this was the moment when I was supposed to declare myself. I was supposed to declare whether I believed that the Bible was the ultimate revelation of God. I was shaking with fear. Not because I was so frightened of my dad's stature and strength. At the time, I was an undefeated karate champion from Croatia. I was preparing for uh, competitions, world champions, just as much as European. I was not frightened of my father's fists. But that day, I decided that I will surrender my pride my strength, my ability to defend myself and declare that Jesus was indeed my God and my Savior. I knew the gravity of the situation. It could cost me life. Trembling and crying, I made the decision. I would not fight my dad or defend myself in any way. If I perish, I perish, were my thoughts. I had nothing to hide. Jesus was too great to be ashamed of. And besides, it was his job to protect me as his child. So I told my dad what I believed. With a silent, quiet voice, I said, yes, dad, I believe Jesus is God. Suddenly with streams of curses he stepped backward and I saw that he was just trying to gain further leverage for what was about to come to happen. The next thing I saw was his fist flying towards my face. I anticipated a full blow but it never reached me. His fist flying through the mid-air just stopped. And as he struggled to push further towards me, he couldn't move. Then he stepped back and tried again, and his fist wouldn't go any further. In his confusion, he tried again to punch me, but the same happened again. He could not do it, not because he was sorry for me, but because his fist was stopped by an unseen hand. While this was happening, I recalled Psalm 37:4, promising protection of God's angels to those who fear God. I heard a voice saying to me, there are three lines of angels standing around you, encamping around you, and your father will not harm you. Diabolically angry, my dad started spitting at me as he couldn't reach me. And while he was shouting, the whole house got up. My three my two three sisters, two brothers, my mother came in. There was a big argument in the room. I was just praying, shaking, this time not in fear. But praying for my family, I was frightened that the Lord will bring the ceiling down and that they will just perish like those in uh, in, in, a, in a Philistine's temple with Samson. I had to pray for them, and the Lord was merciful. The last words that I heard that day was shouting of my father, saying that I should never again come back to uh, uh, that I should never again come back home and be part of the family. But how did all these stories start? I was born into a Muslim family, into a liberal Muslim family, uh, as a second of six children in, Liber- in Croatia, in Zagreb. Uh, my parents were very hardworking parents, very loving and very sacrificial. I was brought up in a socialistic country where religion, any religion was ridiculed. But my father took time to instruct us as children um, to be proud of our Islamic origin, to be proud of our lifestyle and um, our religion. Uh, As a child in elementary school, uh, I used every opportunity to witness to to my schoolmates and my teachers. And although no one could understand what I was on about, um, I felt very, very special. I felt I was a child of God. It was only later when, as a teenager, my father started being more strict on us. He wouldn't like us mixing with uh, so-called Christian youth, although very few people in Croatia at the time were truly Christian. And uh, he imposed uh, lots of rules on us, Um, what I didn't like as a person. I didn't like rules without meaning. I didn't like rules without explanations. So slowly in my heart, I started rebelling against my father's religion. As a teenager, I developed an intense interest in philosophy, fine arts, and poetry. I dreamed of being a fine artist. And while studying the history of art, I got quite uh, amused by seeing that most of the art actually depicts The Christianity, it's up to 19th century, all the art, European art mainly, uh, just tells the story of, of Jesus, story of Christianity. And that was the time when I became interested in Christianity, not because I wanted to be a Christian, but because I wanted to be an intellectual. I wanted to know more about things. But it wasn't just art. It was the reading of, that was unsupervised, the more I read, the more my interest in some deviant subject grew. And the more, I, uh, the more my interest in them grew, the more I read. It was like a vicious circle. It was an exciting cycle for a growing teenager trying to make sense of the world. And looking back, it was definitely my rebellion against the tight fist of my father's rule, his religion, and his occasionally very despotic, uh, despotic headship in our home. My motto at the time became, I'm talking about, this was me, 14-year-old. I made a motto for myself. I will do anything, I, whatever I desire, shamelessly and fearlessly. And at the time, I knew very little that, it was, that this was truly a description of Satan. It made more sense to me to live an absurd life as an atheist devoid of any meaning to be enslaved by a stupefying nonsense religion. As a result, I chose to immerse myself in an alternative rock music scene and spend many hours listening to music that glorified disturbed thoughts and emotions. This trend continued until my university years at which I was given an ultimatum. My father said that I had to choose between fine arts and my uh, rocketing um, karate career. I was happy to, to um, leave karate. I really wanted to study art. But just before I left my karate club, uh, I met uh, I, I made a friend with a very special person who was at the time uh, an art student. You see, when we talk about art, maybe in America or even in England, uh, many people can study art here. But in Croatia, out of the whole country, only 12 people would be selected after rigorous examination to become an art student. It was something very difficult to achieve, a very, very high level of excellency. And I needed lots of support. My family wasn't interested in supporting me in my uh, um, art career. So once I made friends with this uh, friend from the karate club, he offered me art lessons in his studio, and I was overwhelmed. We became really, really good friends. But what was very interesting in this friendship is that this person not only trained me in art, but actually started slowly questioning all my atheistic views. On a daily basis, he wasn't very—he um, wasn't very polite, and he wasn't very tolerant of my views. He would just question me, question me systematically, and in each discussion on spiritual things, uh, he would usually win and defeat all my arguments. So after some time studying in a studio, I, I learned to be quiet. <laughs> um, But it wasn't just him being so well-versed and and defeating my my views. I noticed that in that particular studio there was another teacher who was an ex-Catholic monk. These people were truly in love with Jesus. Every day they would talk about how he lived with disciples and about his teachings. And slowly I started listening to their conversation. I still wasn't interested in any religion or spiritual matters. I just wanted to be, as Nietzsche says, God is dead. I wanted to be uh, like an Übermannsch person, a, a person that would be a genius in my own field, a very self-fulfilled person. Once we had a visitor, he was a Catholic theologian student, and uh, I remember I was just struggling painting uh, some still nature, And as I was painting, I heard this young man quoting uh, something from the New Testament. It was the first chapter uh, from the book of John about Jesus becoming flesh, the word of God. And as I was staring at his strange beaming face, I wondered how an intelligent person can believe into something so strange. And as I was listening to him, suddenly a very overwhelming feeling came upon me. And I, for a second, I surprised myself thinking, I would like to have such a faith. I would like to be so truly devoted to something so noble like God. And God answered my prayer. I started reading New Testament. I still didn't want to be Christian. I wasn't interested in Christianity to learn. I just wanted to just get a few references. But while I was reading the shortest gospel in the New Testament, um, I found more and more information about Jesus. I found he was a strange person. He was extremely kind, extremely helpful, worked miracles but what puzzled me the most is when I read verses about him dying on a cross. And when the captain of the Roman guard who was standing in front of the cross saw everything happening and the way Jesus died, he said with conviction, this man was truly the son of God. While, when I read these words, suddenly something just pierced my heart. I didn't pray. No one was there with me to instruct me. But the gift of faith, the miracle of faith, penetrated my mind. And I said, together with this Roman captor, truly, this man is the Son of God. Secretly without anyone knowing, in my heart, I became a Christian. What a miracle. But my life didn't change. I was still a proud, rebellious, unsanctified, prone to sin and attracted to anything evil and interesting person. It took three years for me to come across um, a a friend at my university who was a visitor at Adventist Church uh, to start thinking deeper and talk more about Christian faith. This friend of mine spent uh, many hours trying to talk to me about the Bible. And um, it was very difficult to talk to me because I was a person who was very, at the time, very much into New Age. I would go to different uh, New Age sessions because I, w- I became really interested in spiritual matters. And anytime time when I had a struggle with uh, either with health or with uh, any deeper issues, I always suffered from lack of faith. I never had faith to pray to God. I always thought that God will never answer my prayers, because although I believed in Him and I believed in Jesus, I never thought Jesus would actually answer my prayers. Anyway, I was living with a guy who was sort of a fiance, but it wasn't really that way. Uh, I was really a professional liar, my parents never knew w- what I was doing. Uh, I lived a double life, I was academically excellent, but uh, in my heart I was very disrespectful. Um, I hated drugs and alcohol, but because my boyfriend was doing it, uh, eventually I started doing it. and. Uh, it was just a vicious circle. So from time to time, just to release our conscience, we would together go and attend some spiritual seances or um, enlightening um, seminars. First of all, I started meditating. At the time, I worked during the summer just to earn some money. I was a student. Just to work some money, I started working as a lifeguard. And uh, working as a lifeguard uh, is is sometimes a bit challenging because the weather can change and you are all the time in wet clothes. And uh, as a girl, I just started getting a bit sickly. And um, I was going to and fro to my doctors and they said to me that I had some chronical problems and that there was nothing that they could do for me. Uh, I was quite devastated at the time. I even thought that that might uh, have some life consequences, that I might not be able to have children and uh, things like that. It was quite scary. So I remember just coming from a hospital. um, I was quite upset and a thought came to me, why don't you pray about your problems? Why don't you talk to God? But I couldn't talk to God. I, I, I thought I am too, evil. I'm just evil. How can I pray to God? And uh, suddenly I just dismissed that thought about prayer and as I was walking past the newspaper shop, uh, I was just like pulled to that shop. I went straight there and I picked this spiritualistic magazine, The Third Eye. Sounds really yucky but I just picked it I went home I I was thinking like why did I buy it why do I need it but I was just like drawn to it it's just incredible and as I was flipping the pages I came across this uh, guy with a turban and he was like a healer. and I decided to try it to meditate so once when I I was I would meditate twice a day once uh, as I meditated suddenly something starting to happen to me I would usually experience some, something like electrical currents flowing through my limbs and uh, I would see different color rays of light coming out of the p- picture straight onto my uh, face and uh, body. And once, as I stared at this picture at friend's apartment, I felt into a strange trance. I, com- I completely became possessed. I lost my sight. I, I didn't have the speech power. I couldn't see, I couldn't speak, I couldn't feel. I was just translated into another spiritual realm. Around me, there were, white, there were rings of light going up and down. I was completely imprisoned. And in my mind, that was the only little bit of me that was still me. I was screaming in fear. And while screaming in fear, how can I be saved, relieved from this? suddenly uh, a calm thought came that wasn't mine. Only prayer to God can bring you back. Only prayer uh, uh, to God can heal you from this state. And uh, I took it seriously. I just started praying any prayer from Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, any Arabic prayer that I ever heard from Hail Mary, and finally I settled on the Lord's Prayer. It was serious. I was not there anymore. If, if I didn't pray that day, I would end up in a mental hospital and, who knows, maybe n- never recover. But as I prayed, prayed that Lord's Prayer, it was like a drumming on a drum, every word had, just, had a, such a meaning for me. And as I prayed, slowly my condition, my condition got better and better. My senses returned and uh, I recovered. I couldn't speak for about two hours, and I couldn't walk. Someone would think maybe I've learned a lesson after that experience, but unfortunately I haven't. Very soon after, I was persuaded by my delightful fiancé to go on another spiritual experience of this kind, again in a search for great spiritual enhancement. We went to another um, session where we were supposed to meditate. It's called like a speech meditation. You sit in uh, team, uh, you have like a uh, meditational partner, and you just speak out anything that comes to your mind, anything. It doesn't matter how awful or how nice or anything, you just speak it up. And after so many sessions, you just change your partners, you have five minutes You speak and five minutes the other person speaks. After three days, you completely freak out. Your brain goes completely numb. You have nothing else to think about and nothing else to say. You become like an empty box. The meditational question that we were meditating on is discover who you are, experience who you are. We were searching for the true meaning and essence of our own lives this was serious stuff we even paid 100 about 100 dollars for it and as we meditated the the third day each of us one after another we started going into some sort of a like a i don't know like a little trance and suddenly i just had this vision of myself sitting in a like a yogi position and the tree was in the same color and i was in the same color and And suddenly I heard the revelation of who I truly was. It was implemented into my mind. You are who you are. You are I am. Wow, I am God. That's what I heard and that's what I experienced. After we left that session, although we became gods, supposedly, my boyfriend became a heroin addict. Uh, other people who attended the seminar ended up in some, in some like d- divorces and some other strange uh, lifestyles. And I became uh, very deeply disturbed and depressed. I decided to put aside all this spiritualistic nonsense and I decided to read the Quran. I wanted to find out the truth about God because it didn't seem quite true that I was God myself. And uh, that was the time when my friend from the uni who attended Seventh Adventist Church uh, invited me to meet a lady who became a Christian through a series of dreams. At the time, I knew very little about Muslim people who become Christians. I didn't know that it usually takes a miraculous healing or um, dreams, miraculous God-given dreams for them to change from their beliefs and their faith to a Christian faith. I was just intrigued, oh, another person who has a spiritual experience, let's go and and hear the lady. So uh, I had this light-headed attitude, um, and there we went. To my surprise, when, when this lady started talking about her life, it turned out to be a very heartbreaking experience. He had a very difficult life, and in many points, because she's coming from a Muslim background with a similar lifestyle, uh, I could identify myself. I was really touched. But when she started talking about spiritual things, how she nearly committed the suicide, how she cried to God, he was forced into, um, how do you call those marriages? Pre-arranged marriage? Yeah, she was, co- she was to be forced into arranged marriage with some Albanian guy that she never saw before and uh, she ran away, she jumped from the second floor uh, ap- from apartment, um, she just barely survived it, and then ran away from home. She was a student, no means, she ended up in, a, in Germany looking for a job and uh, really had extremely hard life. She was sleeping roughly on the streets or in, in a park, a well-educated, very nice young woman, but just destitute. And as she cried to God uh, after thinking to commit a suicide, the Lord gave her a series of dreams in which she saw Jesus revealing himself to her as a way, the truth, and the life. Then she had another dream when God pointed to her that she needs to go and find the Holy Scriptures. She didn't even know that the Bible and the Holy Scriptures is the same thing. This is how us Muslim people can sometimes be quite daft. Then the third thing, she also dreamed about uh, God saying to her she needs to be baptized. She was nearly killed in a dream, literally suffocated. And then she had another dream where God revealed to her that she needs to find a church that keeps the Sabbath holy. And that was a really difficult thing to do. You try going around your city looking for a church that keeps the Sabbath holy. Quite tedious task. So after I heard all these testimonies, uh, I was really shocked. Then she didn't stop. It was about a four-hour encounter. Uh, she told us about some basic Bible doctrines. She told us about fall, uh, fall into sin, about how Jesus is the only saving, uh, he, Jesus is the only one who can save us, the state of dead. I think I had about five Bible studies in that evening. And it was so overwhelming. I didn't like things that she was saying. I, some of them I actually hated. I really didn't like them. Would you like to be told that all your family, all your faith group is just doomed? You don't know your savior. You don't know God. Your sins are not forgiven. Would you like that? I didn't. But nevertheless, In my mind, as she was speaking very kindly, very, very convinced, the Holy Spirit was flashing all the time. Everything this woman is saying, no matter how much you hate it, it's true. I was convinced that she was saying truth, regardless of how I felt about it. We departed, she gave us a kiss and said that she would pray for us that at least one of us three will be saved. Well, that that was a really hard thing to say. (laughs) But it made me cry, no one ever prayed for me. She said she would pray that at least one of us get saved. After I left, I was so touched, I was so perplexed. I just wanted to see God himself. I went home praying. That, that day I got so sick, I couldn't breathe. I asked my boyfriend to get, to find a Bible in the house, and he got some very thick one, illustrated Bible. It wasn't really proper Bible, but I shoveled it under my pillow, and I prayed. I said, God, don't let me die. At least I want to know who you are. After that day, I, su- I survived, obviously, but from that day onwards... I prayed every day, Lord, reveal yourself to me. You worked a miracle for that woman. You have to work a miracle for me. I can't go to my family. I can't go to my friends saying, I believe because someone else told me. I needed to know it for myself from you. I always chose the wrong boyfriend. I thought I had a great taste, but I always chose the wrong one. And I came to the point to realize that I can't really trust my ability to make good choice. I tried to choose my spirituality. I always made a wrong choice. So I just put it back to God. I said, if you really exist, you have to make a choice for me. And you have to make that choice clear. I need to know who you are. Are you Muhammad's uh, God of Muhammad who denies divinity of Jesus? Or are you Jesus, God? Is the Bible the true way I should follow or or, or Quran? And as a result of this simple, it was a simple prayer. Remember, I'm still living with a boyfriend. I'm not a very good girl, but I'm praying to God. God answers the prayer. One night, suddenly, I, I had this strange dream. In the darkness, I was just like perplexed. What is life about? Just constant meanings about what is life about? What is my life about? Do I have purpose in life? Suddenly I can see a little speck of light and that speck of light is coming closer and closer. And suddenly it just becomes a huge towering city, beautiful, shining, golden fortress. And then the fortress opens up the light beams even brighter and somewhere in the middle of that light right in front of me is a simple pulpit just like this one simple one and there is a book a book on top of the pulpit on top of the stand and i hear a voice go and read it is for your salvation the voice didn't order and it didn't beg, it just told me what to do. I came closer, I looked at the pages, it wasn't Quran, it wasn't anything else, it was the Bible. As I looked at the open pages of the Bible, every letter was shining like a gold, like a precious gold gleaming, beaming, it was alive. And I tried to read, or just randomly, I, I, don't, I can't tell you which book it was. I have no idea which page it was. As I tried to read, my eyes beca- started to water. And uh, I became annoyed, strangely annoyed. In the presence of God revealing His truth, His way, I became annoyed. I said, Jesus, why do I have to read this book? Can't it be just between me and you? I would serve you. I can see you are God. But no, I had to read. And as an answer to my question, the Lord gave me another vision. Suddenly, I just, because I believed that if God just cleanses my soul from all my sins, that will be it. I'm eternally His and that's just it. God gave me a second vision. The vision was of who truly I was. And what I saw, it's difficult to explain. I saw a black hole with no life, with no light, with no feelings. I saw death. How do you explain eternal death? You just scream. So I screamed. I woke up. I screamed. And I realized that when Jesus said, let dead people marry dead, you can be alive, you can love, you can go into motions, but you can be spiritually dead. And I was that person, spiritually dead. That was the night when I surrendered my life to Jesus. And that was the night when I figured out that only through reading the Bible, trusting His Word, that life will remain in me. And this is when, this is when my parents slowly started finding some changes in me. From a very rebellious young person, I became a very willing person. Because God loved me, I became a loving person. Because God forgave me, I became a forgiving person. And my parents saw the difference. And uh, they gave me, they noticed my interest in Christianity, my reading of the Bible. But, uh, and it takes some time for my father really to put me, to corner me and to challenge me on, on, on my faith. Ever since I left home, it has been 15 years of a separation. The words that my father said that I will never come back to my family house came true not exactly that day because as a result of God's great patience towards my parents I kept returning home every time they expelled me they kicked me out I kept praying for them and claiming God's promises and after that cru- crucial sabbath morning when the angels stopped my father's fist in the air I managed to stay another full year and a half in my family I was really stubbornly Christian. (laughs) They tried to bribe me, they tried to marry me, they tried to, I don't know, my mom would plead, she would speak such soft words to try to melt me down. She would say, how can you trust those people in a church? I'm your mother, I love you, I gave you life, wouldn't you just be my daughter, and not trust them. And despite all these sweet words, I, I always cried. I said, Mommy, I love you. I, I, I know you. It, 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 this is difficult for you to understand, but I can't dishonor God. This is about God. It's not about you. You are my mom, but I can't dishonor God. So eventually my parents gave me a final ultimatum to choose either Christian faith or Muslim faith. And as a result of my choice, or shall I say as a result of choice of my parents, I was expelled from a family. And there has been many years of painful separation from my parents and my younger brothers. But despite all the hardship, it has been an honor to suffer persecution for Christ. In His great mercy, God has provided me with many family members in the Christian faith, hundredfold blessings. I will close now. Um, In 1997, I studied theology at Croatian SDI Seminary, and I met a ministerial student who came to preach an evangelistic series. That was my future husband, Alan. After knowing him for only one week, uh, he proposed in a very bold and strange manner. (laughs) We became friends the first week he ignored me. Actually, uh, I I just wanted to be friendly, I said hello, but he never replied three times. (laughs) Be aware of Englishmen. I think you Americans are a bit more friendly. Anyway, but then something happened, and uh, I had a phone call from my ex-fiancé, who was now well on a heroin addict, and who was actually pleading on the phone with me to come and nurse him to his health, and he was pleading to leave, leave and just come to basically marry him. Um, It was really hard, I really wanted best for him, and I really loved that man, but I made my decision to move away from from that relationship because it wasn't the relationship that God wanted for me to be in. And there was Alan there as the only person that I could pray with, and as we prayed, the law that day just broke all the chains of my emotional slavery to my past life. You see, sometimes we can be converted people, but we can still be chained with, with our past. You understand what I'm talking about. That day, the law just released me from, from, from all that emotional baggage. And uh, five days later, I was proposed to, shockingly, I thought my husband, Alan, was either terribly desperate, (laughs) imbalanced, or truly spiritual and serious guy. He said we would be a good missionary team. And I love that. So I said to him, "Uh, I like you, but for anything else, let's just go on our knees and pray. The next morning, another miracle was done, and uh, I really felt very warm towards him. Uh, He left three months later. uh, We were courting through internet, uh, emails at the time, and uh, the Lord provided the money for expensive telephone calls. I was usually cleaning the church. I was teaching uh, as well, so a little meager income provided uh, the money for the telephone calls. And eventually after six months of our courtship, we got uh, married. Ever since, we've been blessed. Why I'm saying this as a a sort of conclusion? You see, being persecuted for Christ's sake is a true honour. And not many people are really... All of us are called to serve and to witness for Christ. But some of us will be called, this is a calling, to go an extra mile. Although my parents still do not want to have any contact with me or their grandchildren, my husband and I continue to pray, trusting God's saving grace. In my parents' eyes, I have brought shame to my family. But in the eyes of Jesus, I am His witness and His shiny beacon. It's never time to give in and dishonor God no matter who is begging you to do so. Some sacrifices might look impossible to bear, but we should remember that that it is not our calling to calculate the costs. All we have to worry about is to have our eyes fixed on the shiny face of our loving Saviour, Jesus Christ. I am a miracle of Jesus. It's not the miracles that God performs, it's the miracles of who we are. You are a miracle of Jesus. You are a miracle of Jesus. You are a miracle of Jesus. It's not walking on the water that makes the miracle a miracle. It's being faithful to God, keeping His commandments, being faithful in small things. I would like to make a very short and simple appeal. In this big crowd of people, there are some people among you who who have been called to suffer for Christ in a very difficult way some people among you who have been persecuted and who have experienced severe hardship. Could you stand with me please? Could you stand with me please? Don't be ashamed. It's a great thing to suffer for our Christ Jesus. Not all of us have to go through terrible things, but some of us are called. I will pray and call for a blessing, especially upon you, but God will anoint you for your ministry and service, for his name's sake. Do not be ashamed. Let's pray. Please bow your heads. Our great and merciful God, dear Jesus, you suffered for us so immensely and so terribly. We can never comprehend what you left to save us. And Lord Jesus, in this hall, we have people who are standing because they are persecuted for your namesake Lord we are all sinners we make mistakes we make people mad we step on people's toes but these people are persecuted because of your namesake in their families at their workplace at the places where they minister where they are missionaries i pray for a special anointing of strength Lord anoint me too I know, anoint us and we pray especially for our families for those who do not understand why are we so strange why are we so different and Lord may your blessing reach all of people in our families that need to be saved all of our friends and colleagues in your glorious name we pray and thank you amen This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.